Mom doesn't let me use a stove. I make a stove out of boxes and I put it on our table and I take out all the pots and pans and I cook using my stove and I make a lot of food and before I do that though I put on my chef's hat, my apron and that way I won't get dirty when I cook and I make a lot of food for my family. Okay. I take black tape and I make burners and I get on my chef's hat and my chef's apron so I can cook and I take out all the pots and pans and I put them on the burners and underneath the table it's my oven so I can bake cakes and cookies and make a lot of food for my family. fortune of sitting around the red table with uh, my father, um, Dr. George Sakelli, and we both have our um, tea in our red cups, um, so we are ready to go. That always um, starts a good conversation, just sitting around the table and having a, a good cup of uh, tea together. We've done this for many years, but now we have the good fortune of um, having friends join us, which is wonderful. So. I appreciate that. Um, one of the things we started to talk a little bit about is this idea of play and um, how to bring play into um, how to bring play into the classroom. And um, I thought we would talk about that a little bit today. Well, in case you didn't notice, when you walk through the door, there are stacks of pillows by the door, <laughs> and I'm sure you were wondering what it was. Um, when you were little, um, it, it was not unfamiliar that you went around the house collecting all the pillows and uh, using them to play with and build with. And uh, But now I was happy to find that it was 25 cents. Don't tell anybody. 25 <laughs> cents a pillow at, at Goodwill. Uh, so I bought Don't Tell Mom. 40 pillows. So we, the, the, I, came, I came in and, and uh, tried to hide 40 pillows around the house. So no, nobody will know. <laughs> but it will end up in, in, in school tomorrow. And uh, in addition to my other pillows, and of course, you know, I collect all kinds of antique pillows so the kids see and inspired by the past of this uh, block form. Um, and then, of course, the, I don't know if you've seen, but my students this week are going out to uh, sketch some of the new pillows that are available at Target and um, uh, some of the other stores. They're fantastic. You know, yeah. they're, they're one of my good. favorites is Home Goods because they always have one or two yeah. from all these different designers, and that's always exciting to see um, what's out there. But block play is such an important part of, of introducing play uh, to the class. 
and uh, because it is on the resume of children. It's something mm -hmm. that they are uh, not only familiar but confident about doing. So nobody will say, oh, I can't do block play. You know, I, said, I can't do a portrait, but block play, you know, no problem at all. Uh, yeah. So I, I think partly uh, uh, what we can do in an art class is to extend the play block to playing with all kinds of objects as if it were play blocks. Mm -hmm. And children do this with cereal boxes, with their um, cups and mugs in the morning, with their uh, silverware. They build with everything. So I think if we um, uh, bring this into the school, it, it really develops confidence. The three-dimensional play develops confidence to be able to uh, draw and paint and also develops great subjects and themes and ideas for drawings and paintings. Mm -hmm. well, it's interesting because block play goes all the way back to Foible, right? The, and he kind of brought that in as um, something that's okay for us to do in school, which is, which is interesting, which led to people like Frank Lloyd Wright and um, who all went through that, that Foible method of, of learning. And it was a very controlled method of block play. Don't get me wrong, but... Um, I find it interesting that it is one of those things that have always been okay, at least in uh, probably up through kindergarten and first grade, at least, right? Uh, but I brought um, Legos and blocks to middle school even, and there's such excitement. I mean, people are like, oh, well, middle school kids don't play anymore. Try bringing a bunch of Legos and blocks of any sort to middle school class. I guarantee you um, they will be very excited to... Uh, to play with them. So I think that's important to understand that uh, when we talk about block play, it's not just an early childhood thing at all. Um, and that we all love to play. And even as we sit here, we kind of move things around and build with them, um, just even on the table itself, right? So that idea of condoning it in the art classroom and bringing it into their their lives and into their artwork, I think is really important um, and is needed even in older age groups. So I would say try that. <laughs> yeah. I think part of our work is just legitimizing what kids naturally do. Yes. And legitimizing it by saying it's okay to do it, and it's okay to do it in school. It's okay, certainly, to do it in the art room. And, um, and really to, to recognize that everything is a play block, and everything can be played with as a block. And um, sometimes we take a... a trip around the classroom and uh, if it happens to be a box of uh, brand new uh, erasers that were ordered, well, that's our play block. And if it's not, if it's a box of boxes and boxes of pencils that just came in freshly, then the pencils become uh, the play block. Um, and um, I remember a uh, big shipment from uh, Dick Blick. Mm -hmm. Dick Blick <laughs> coming into the classroom. It was, it was just paint jars and um, jars of, of powder paint and um, uh, tempera paint. But the kids helped to open it. And by helping to open it, they automatically went into block mode and started stacking and playing and, and constructing with these um, jars of, of paint. And when I was a lunchroom monitor, which was one of my assignments in, in elementary school, 
uh, to supervise the lunchroom, you see it all the time. The kids playing with their juice uh, containers, with their little juice uh, boxes. Um, they're collecting the um, uh, silver, well, it's not silverware, but collecting the plastic spoons and forks and building with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly the, um, the cups, you know, yes. is a very important uh, building block. Absolutely. So just, just, just in a particular place like a cafeteria or a, um, a coffee shop, you know, there are blocks everywhere. Yeah. One of my favorite things just sitting at the table as we are um, is always to play with those little, uh, the little jams and snack the little jams. That was always one of, <laughs> that's always a very good memory for me. But I think, you know, this is all very important in that, you know, often I will hear, well, I can't afford Legos or I can't afford Kepler blocks or so expensive. And they are. Um, but to understand the kids see blocks in all of these different things and that they don't um, need the expensive sets of blocks, but for them to allow them to play um, with even what's already in the classroom and what they're already playing with um, and to bring that into the the art room is important. Unfortunately, today, most block sets have the most beautiful pictures on, yes. <laughs> on, 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 on the and cover of the box. And you don't even have to open the box and play with, with the um, items because you have already, it's on the picture. And then, of course, um, uh, the tendency is to just make what's, in the, what's on the box with mm-hmm. elaborate uh, telephone book size instructions. <laughs> yes, lots of parents' help. That's yes. <laughs> in my world. <laughs> but when your whole world is a block, when everything is a block, then um, that play is, is much freer. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking, um, uh, chaperoning a group going to Chicago, and uh, uh, we were looking at, uh, of course, modern architecture, the great Chicago, and uh, one of the kids turned to me and said, well, it doesn't look quite so new and modern. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But what they did find interesting and new and modern is that uh, little corner of the hotel room where the um, coffee machine is. And they have all sizes of little cups and, and uh, other items, uh, sugar packets and so forth. And they started building with that. So I made sure every night that we were in Chicago that uh, the hotel staff brought us extra <laughs> uh, block forms uh, to, to play with. And um, certainly what the kids build from these things uh, rivaled what was outside um, uh, the the hotel window, the um, architecture that was outside the hotel window. Part of that is they're looking looking out there to see how they can maybe add to it at the same time, right? They're saying it's not new and modern to them, but how can they make it new and modern? How can they start to brainstorm ideas for how to, um, you know, add to that... uh, skyline if you will so i think that's important for you know as they're sitting and looking at the skyline to have those ideas is is wonderful yeah the, the inspiration certainly was there um and and blocks are in a way uh, very powerful in in children's hands because a, a little child and uh, um 
can can feel that they can change the world, uh, create skyscrapers, uh, build bridges and mm-hmm. uh, stadiums and airports. Uh, so that's that's a great power that you can change the world. Yeah. You can say your art will change the world, but you can actually see it in this realistic forms that the kids build. And um, anytime we play with blocks or anything else, um, their paintings and drawings are out of this world. You cannot compare. It would be interesting to see a, a study, a comparison between artwork, paintings and drawings, the traditional two-dimensional artworks, which are actually rather abstract. Um, and um, these artworks made after the kids have played and built, um, it would be entirely different and far more powerful because they bring such knowledge and understanding and ideas and confidence to it. Uh, we always think of artists starting with children's drawing, but in fact it starts with children playing with all kinds of objects. And... Um, opening up the uh, cupboard and taking out the pots and pans. It's not just taking out the pots and pans. I remember getting, uh, well, this is our routine when we go to our summer house, is we load up on uh, the um, aluminum trays because there's a lot of baking, as you know, going on during the summer. So there are 50, 100 of these different aluminum trays And the kids can't wait to get to them and start building with them. The same way as when they were younger, they couldn't wait to open the cupboards and and build with the pots and pans. So that is the first children's art, and it's not the studies of children's developmental drawing. I think what's interesting here is also that idea of taking three-dimensional to the two-dimensional and often we have them sketch something before they make it 3d which i find a really strange way of um of working because there's something really magical about building something seeing it 3d develop and then kind of creating this 2d world you know based on that and i think that's um, a really nice way to work because for me 2d to 3d never never quite worked the the same way so Well, I can understand adults who think uh, abstractly, conceptually, um, envisioning an artwork even before it it, uh, starts. But uh, kids need this active start, this hands-on start. And they do much better when uh, you use their own media, which is building and construction. Yes. And from that, you can build and construct a painting which is a construction also, but a far more um, uh, difficult construction in terms of um, you know, having to start from nothing, from zero, from the imagination. Yeah, yeah I was um, watching that show, Abstract, and one of the things, um, the first person that, that's on there was somebody who um, is a graphic designer and talks about building, but first thing he did, which I thought was really interesting, is get out his Legos, um, and, you know, which were right on his, the, the table, and this idea, you know, even as adults, um, that he had Legos on his desk, and that he was playing with Legos, and working things out with the Legos before he even started to draw them, 
I thought was such a wonderful, uh, <laughs> wonderful idea for us to see. So uh, that's something to check out for sure. Well, with computers being the lead now in uh, for children and adults and for uh, professional architects and designers yes. in generating ideas, in working out ideas, if you don't go back to the handmade, if you don't go back to the hand building, um, and just having the the um, um, the freedom to uh, build with uh, lace potato chips or uh, um, your Halloween candy stacks that you bring back, um, you you're really are limiting yourself as what a building may look like or the shape or what it may be made from or the building materials that could possibly be used. So um, I think you really have to go into the nature and and stones and and bricks and and um, uh, sponges, which kids love collecting sponges. Mm -hmm. Always, uh, we have a, a huge contest in collecting sponges and scrubbing tools, which are beautiful and also fantastic building blocks. Um, so you have you have this 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 great vocabulary which already does not look like a traditional building. You're already moving away from a traditional building when you start building with straws or you start building with bananas, fruits of all kinds. I'm just saying because uh, kids always admire the uh, stock clerks in a supermarket <laughs> that they get paid, <laughs> actually, to build these huge apple constructions. Right. <laughs> Fruit masterpieces. Yeah, there's something definitely magical about that. Yeah. For sure. Okay, well, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, for Curious About Art with George. It's been wonderful to sit here and uh, talk a little bit about block play and think about all the different uh, types of blocks that are out there and how we can use them in the art room. I think that's, um, that's wonderful. And we will see you soon.